Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Thank you for everyone tuning in to episode number 121 right here on BGN Radio. And of course, as always, if you're out there, you're listening on SoundCloud or Stitcher or especially iTunes. Rate, subscribe, review, do all the good things uh, to help expand the podcast. And, you know, you can always hear uh, us. That's why we got the awesome radio show that's coming up on Sunday, of course. And we're going to have that finally in full post um, as a little little extra bonus along with our preview show because it's a Monday night game and it'll have some relevance and we'll be talking to some cool people there as well. It's on 97.5 The Fanatic on Sunday from 8 a.m. to 10. And, of course, we'll catch the replay right in the feed. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get into this thing as uh, we welcome uh, once again Mr. Matt Daring from our Eagles and, of course, our own BleedingGreenNation.com. Matt, what's happening, buddy? Long time, Johnny. How you been? Yeah, but uh, uh, we're doing well. We're trying to uh, you know manage all of the takes as Obviously, we'll get into it a little bit, but I just the the entire week of of uh, Chip Kelly College was has been fascinating. Oh yeah, it's a Rodney Dangerfield over here. Yeah, <laughs> I wish it was Tom Coughlin. Oh, uh, hey. hey. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, when we we're just talking, and in when we look at this, and we we look at all the hype between the the Giants and Eagles, I love that they're back with the black uniforms. It's it's a night game. It's a national game. It's the last one of the week. Uh, just your overall thoughts and feelings walking into this one. I just feel like it is the Giants have become, uh, again, that team that everybody's just like, oh, yep, yeah, is hitching their wagon to just for this week or the past couple of weeks because they've gone on this winning streak. Uh, you know, we look at, we were just looking at their roster, and it's just, it's really just not, 
that impressive again. As much as Eli's been doing pretty well, uh, the teams that they've been playing haven't been that great. Uh, the same with the Eagles. I, I don't see this team as that much better than the Saints, Jets, et cetera, et cetera. It's just kind of your ho-hum type of uh, type of team here. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah. I mean, they're just, they're just not a lot of guys when you look at that team and you go, you know, that like this is a guy to this is a guy to really think about. I mean, I think apart from Eli and of course Odell Beckham, who by the way might not even play. I mean, there is not a lot of people to be very you know really all that afraid of. Like if you're looking around this team, you know you could make a decent case that that the third best player on their team is a run stuffing interior defensive lineman. You know, and when you when you're talking about that, like that is not really the position you want to be in. So yeah, when you look at this team. I don't know. I certainly don't think it's a given, especially with how the Eagles have have managed to sort of oopsie daisy things away uh, that they'll win. But like when you look at this Giants team, this team is not the team of destiny. You know, I don't I don't buy it at all. Yeah. Once again, for what the 10th year running, right? The team of destiny uh, with the Giants and everything else. And I don't I don't feel that way either. And you're right. I'm not saying like this is an easy win by the Eagles just because they're you know it's not like they've been playing at a very high level either I feel like it's kind of the same way I just again I think there's a little more talent on the Eagles side on both sides of the ball here especially defensively Uh, but offensively Matt I think it's you know stop me if you've heard this one before again with Prince of Mukamara out uh, and you know the secondary just being what it is Landon Collins not great cover and shout out to ESP for not taking a loss on this one yet uh, but, uh, you know, that means more Mayweather. It means a lot less. Uh, I just think that the Eagles, once again, have to start out with the pass, roll with the run, and I don't think it's hard to run on this team either, despite what people are saying and maybe the long stats, and I understand that they've improved uh, defensively against the run here, but uh, I am uh, I am sailing it in the air. I'm putting it on the ground as many times as that offensive line will hold up, um, but I, I think this is, a, again, a game where you're going to see a Bradford 300 yard because of the offense type of uh, type of style. Is that how you attack the giants as well? Yeah. I mean, man, you look at their roster, they have four cornerbacks like, and that's it. And they have one guy listed at DB. I mean, they, they got nobody out there. So, you know, if, if Prince is down, you're looking at a pairing of, of our old buddy, Dominique Rogers, Cromarty, uh, who's been playing for the giants for as long as I can remember. And uh, who's up, who's the next man up is it Tremaine McBride. I, I mean, are so, they going to, yeah. Are they going to take, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be Hosley. Hasn't he been hurt? Like, I, you know, what? who's up? Wh- what's next? What's going on here? Uh, yeah, I mean, you. there's going to be ample opportunity to pass. And it's not like they're getting after you either. It's not like this pass rush is some is some mighty thing here. I mean, I think that the offense is primed to eat. They have as many, they have, they have five D tackles on their roster and four cornerbacks. That's a lot of, lot of I just, mismanagement there. I just don't under, like who's in charge. Are they drunk? Are they drunk at the wheel? Like, you know, so I, I think that, you know, right. When you look at this team, especially defensively, there is nothing to fear at all. Yeah. And it, this is the thing too. And it's kind of funny that I, I've seen on the big blue view and a couple other people just being, you know, a little upset with the should have kept because they see Walter Thurman you know, performing pretty well here. And if they would have hung on to him, that would have solved some of these problems. And that's one of the things that, you know, as much as sports science has been a narrative uh, throughout 
this whole, you know, Chip Kelly's entire regime and people kind of misunderstanding exactly what sports science is. Yes, it's it's there to prevent injuries and things like that, but it's also there for really recovery and conditioning and everything else. Something that Walter Thurman described as they don't do up there in New York, and it shows. This is the one of those things where it shows even before the season started. Uh, it, it, it's like this, you know, he described it as being archaic. Like they don't even know it's like a, you know, rub some dirt on it. Here's some cold water and some Kool-Aid and a cucumber and you'll be fine. Like there's, there is nothing that I've seen. And this goes back, this isn't just this year. I mean, every year you see this, you see this happen with the giants. Sometimes they get lucky and they just kind of roll and fight through it. But most of the time, that's why they end up either at or below 500 here, unless Eli has one of those magical runs, and that's what ends up happening. But again, even then, the defenses were still way better uh, than what you were seeing here, and I just don't think that they have... I, I yeah, yeah, I don't understand what they're doing. So when you, when you look at Chip Kelly and you look at the injuries and everything else, yes, they've had them, but they're still tops in the league is staying healthy, and most of their depth is still there, Matt. Yeah, and I'm looking at the Giants injury report for today. And here we go. We have Prince of Mukamara. He's going to be out three to four weeks, I think they said. Uh, he's a starter. Robert Ayers. I don't know if he's a starter, but he plays a lot. John Beeson. He's a starter. Uh, these guys are these guys are all on the on the injury report. Odell Beckham. He's a starter. Jonathan Casillas. Not a starter. Victor Cruz. Kind of a starter. He's been out for a while. Uh, he had that knee problem, but lo and behold, he ends up on the injury report with a calf issue instead. Uh, Devin Kennard. He's a starter. Tremaine McBride. There you go. There's our answer. I don't know if he's a starter, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Justin Pugh, he's a starter. Ruben Randall, he's a starter. George Selvey, not a starter. You know, so like you're looking at these guys and and this is this is a third of their team. You know, this is seven starters, I think I just named and 22 starters on the team. You know, maybe there's 24. You want to get into it? I don't really. But but, you know, you, you talk about this and people will roll their eyes and they'll say, oh, you got to give Kiko Alonso more smoothies. But like, give me a break. Like this is this is a very realistic outcome is that it is week five, right? Yeah. No, it's week six. It is week six. Yep. I have had one strong beer. It is week six. <laughs> and we are talking about a third of the team is a third of your starters are popping up on the injury report. And, you know, meanwhile, the Eagles were like, oh, no, we had to go to like our defensive rookie of the year candidate at inside linebacker. Damn it. I hate it when you that know. happens. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I mean, this is these are two very different stories here. And. Yeah, I mean, so you you can roll your eyes at sports science and whatever, and I'm sure Chip Kelly would tell you that people make too big of a deal out of it, but I think that you really hit it on the head, this recovery stuff. You know, people will bounce back faster. They're more likely, they're less likely to have, you know, these kind of lingering injuries, these sort of odd one-off kinds of things that happen because Chip Kelly comes in and, and he has a whole staff and they have a good idea of who should be trying what and when. That's exactly right. And when we had talked to... Uh, the two doctors from Area Health who were very nice enough to come on a couple of episodes ago to describe, you know, Kiko Alonso's injury and everything else uh, moving forward. That's what they also brought up, too. It usually takes about two seasons for that to kick in. It usually takes that long just to see, you know, to, and and the guys have to be on board with it. So you're seeing that with, you know, Malcolm Jenkins and, and everybody else here. You, know, you can look at DeMarco Murray and go, see, I told you that didn't work out, but those are hamstrings and everything else that that's that's always a reoccurring thing and they try and dole that down and do all that other stuff from the guys that have been here for two years you know and i i think it's been relatively healthy and that's what you're going to see across the board continuing on as long as these guys stay here 
Same with Lane Johnson and everybody else. Yeah, MCL, it's just, those are those are things, those are freak things. Same with ACLs and everything else. A groin injury to Zach Ertz, can't really avoid that if you're slamming on the ground too hard. You know, there it is impossible to stay healthy in football, but there's plenty of time where you can recover and those injuries last a, a, a hell of a lot shorter of a time. Nobody suspected that he would come back and be ready for Atlanta. I don't know if you can credit sports science for that, his body. There's a lot of different things going on there, but he hasn't really looked like sluggish or anything else. So something has to be working there. Um, and moving on, we just want to, uh, you know, as always, you can call us anytime, 267-245-6066. We'll always take your phone calls on anything and everything. And let's go there now. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. Yeah, hi guys, it's Julian uh, at the Barryman on Twitter. And I just wanted to say, you know, I was really encouraged by this this win and I just like the improvement week to week. And it's something that I'm I'm really projecting to see into uh, the following week when we play the Giants. You know, I actually see a lot of, I called you guys earlier this season saying I saw similarities in a kind of negative way to the 2014 season. But actually this week I see a positive similarity playing Giants at home week six. People are giving the Giants you know, a lot of credit around this time last year. And we saw them just totally collapse. And basically, come on, guys, it's the Giants. Like, we knew this all along. They're kind of crappy team, shitty team. I don't know if I can say that. Uh, it's the Giants. So I think we can take this one, shut everyone up about the Giants, and kind of show people what this team is like. The real thing I think is a big improvement this year, really just the improvement week to week. Something that we did not see last year, even though... We were winning more last year. It was still just the same issues every week that weren't getting better. Here, I see improvement week to week. Very encouraging. I actually feel much more positive about this year's team than I did about last year's team at this point. So, keep it up, guys. Great work. Hey, John and the gang. What's going on? Uh, great recap show. This is uh, Ryan calling in from Vinland, New Jersey. Just had a quick couple things to say about this win and this week's game. Um, I really just got to give it out to uh, Malcolm Jenkins, you know, Fletcher and Benny and, you know, now Jordan Hicks, they get a lot of the credit because I guess, you know, they're more like sexy players. You know, they make the, the plays that everyone remembers. But I, I honestly think Malcolm Jenkins is the most, is far and away the most underrated player on this team. He played his heart out this week and uh, I just really wanted to, you know, give it up for his play. Um, quick little thing, a uh, big fuck you to everyone who, uh, Doubted Josh Hoff and was, you know, poo-pooing him after after a rough couple of games. Just wanted to get that out there because that dude can play, and I'm really excited to see what he does in the future. And uh, one last thing, I've been uh, I've been wrong in my predictions in every single game so far this year, but that streak is going to change, and they're going to kill the Giants this week. Kill them. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. So our good friend Ryan, what's up, buddy? Thanks for calling in once again. And, of course, you know, thanks for listening to every show and giving us the feedback. We really appreciate that. Uh, Matt, he's bringing up the fact that, you know, I, at the end, and this is this is kind of something interesting leading into this too, and uh, we'll, we'll maybe I'll say hi to our good friend Elliot Shore Parks uh, on this one as well, but 
He just was saying, hey, big F you to everybody that was already counting out Josh Huff. And, you know, he comes out, has a little coming out party. And we went over that a little bit with the uh, reaction show. And with this, and I, I don't know, people are taking this as a little bit of smack. I don't really think it's smack. I think it's just an accurate statement. Uh, in describing rookie Landon Collins, uh, he goes. He, he was quoted today, and this comes from NJ.com. I know that they have uh, a rookie safety in the back end. He's a down-in-the-box guy, not very good cover man, uh, but he can come down and hit tackle very well. They all at sometimes get lost in coverage, I would say, but they are very fundamentally strong, and there is a semi-like big upper from the Giants side, but that is exactly right. That's what's the, the, the most exciting matchup that I have, and a lot of it is because of the pre-draft hype of the next Dawkins, Landon Collins, and that is the book that's always been the freaking book on this guy. Why are people so surprised by this? It's either Josh Huff or Jordan Matthews. Dropsies, I know, I understand that they're just going to get open to drop the ball. That's the main matchup that they have to exploit you, here. You now. know what? I always wonder, like, why do people get on, when I, if a player comes out and says something bad about another player, everybody always gets on that player, you know? And it's funny because I am a terrible football player. And I can say something bad about Landon Collins and nobody will bat an eye. But when Josh Huff comes out, people are like, oh, yeah, well, who the hell are you? Well, he's Josh fucking Huff. Like he's, you know, he's a lot better football player than I am. He's certainly just as qualified as I am to watch Landon Collins and be like, yep, that guy has his ups and downs, to put it nicely. So I, yeah, I always just think this is funny. Like there's just a whole lot of like judgment flying around about who's qualified to say what. Like you're not allowed to talk, you know, uh, say true things about an opposing defensive back until you've caught 100 touchdowns, buddy. You know, those are the rules. Either that or, you know, you can be me. But anywhere in between those two <laughs> things, is, and it is, it is not okay for you. To, it's, just, it's just so bizarre that people will listen to, like, completely off-the-wall people talk about this. And they'll, you know, people with no experience, and they'll listen to people with a ton of experience talk about it. But if you fall in the middle, you know, God help you. So, I mean, and you're right. Josh Huff is absolutely right. That is that is who it is. And, and you know, it's not even like he's really particularly saying anything controversial or, no. you know, God forbid, tipping the hand. Like, he's just saying Landon Collins probably going to go after him. And that's a smart thing to do. God bless him. Yeah, I, I would I would focus there the entire time. That's exactly what if he's on the field, that's where you go. Like, if he's getting lost in normal coverages, I would I would love to see what he does against package plays. You know, all of those things, the tight, you know, the tight ends, the drags, the everything else uh, where there's the, the double roots on the outside where you saw Huff and Ertz almost have the same pattern and they were about five to ten yards or seven yards apart. I would love to see Landon Collins try and mess with any of that stuff because of the confusion that it creates there. And this is where I'll say hello to Mr. Elliot Short Parks and all of us there because it's somebody our friend Dave Searles had uh, retweeted uh, one of his old tweets back when the draft happened saying, uh, good thing that uh, the Eagles have two stud safeties and didn't need Collins, basically, like saying it was a pass. Uh, but it's kind of, I just made a joke saying like, yeah, see, you were right all along. Like, they didn't need to do that stuff. And I, I, I just, that's where it's, it, it to me, the most impressive thing. And maybe I, I talked about this moving forward too, and it was very low key. I'm so impressed with what these two guys have been able to do um, and they, I think they're getting the, all the rightful plays and uh, praise and tons of stuff and, and everything else there. What I'm concerned about, low-key concerned about, is looking into next year. And if Thurman continues to play well, and then they give him four years and he gets injured, or he just doesn't play as well. 
Um, I, 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 it's, I don't foresee that happening. Do you have any of those like kind of creepy thoughts though with like guys that are on one-year deals? Even with Nolan Carroll, who's coming up on a contract here, he's playing out of his mind. And, you know, I, I think they all know that. You think there's some of that in there with the secondary that they have to find that next contract and they're playing above their level? Or do you think this is more of consistently what you'll see day in and day out regardless of the contract? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, it's sort of a case-by-case basis. I don't know what to think about Nolan Carroll. I mean, everybody sort of says that he had this incredible offseason. Maybe that's related to the contract. I don't know. That seems a little cynical to me. I never really bought into the contract year stuff. It always seemed like guys could find, like, dig deep down and find, like, an extra 7%. But, you know, when it's like a night and day kind of thing, you know, guys turn into totally different players in their contract year, I always sort of think that, like, got to be something else happening there because these guys can't just all be you know suddenly focused on money and they're like oh you know what i'm the tw- actually secretly twice as good as i have been i just <laughs> i just don't think that that's how the world works i think that you know at least for my money i think thurman's the more interesting case because thurman they're putting him they're they're giving him a new opportunity um and i don't know if you've ever heard the guy talk but he is he is a sharp guy he's awesome um, yeah, I think I think it was Jenkins or it might have been Billy Davis yesterday said that they basically give him license to do whatever he wants about a third or half the time. So he just sort of, you know, they, they'll call the coverage and they'll just say, all right, you can you know, you can bail or you can do whatever you want. You know, just just try to make something happen. And he's in it. He's been able to do it very successfully. He's made a ton of plays so far. And, you know. In this young season, I, you know, I think that there's a decent case to be made that, I mean, he's been our best defensive back. And yeah. that's including the fact that Malcolm Jenkins has been playing you know, some really good football. But I think that I think that as far as Thurman goes, I think it's, you know, it's a situational thing. I don't know how important that is to him. I have no idea actually where his priorities lie whatsoever. I because he and I were not that close. But <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think that it was the guy like Thurman. It's it's that's probably why. Now, Carol, I think it's a different story. Yeah, and they're both. The thing is, they're both twenty-eight, and so it's just—it's kind of interesting to see them kind of do this all of a sudden. I think Thurman always had that—that that ability in him, so I'm not as surprised that he's transferred that over to the safety skills. And just like you said, they allow him to kind of make his own calls there, which I think is important when it comes to his style of play. He is basically like a. I think he's a, I won't say a better version, but he's an Asante Samuel-like guy with a much sharper mind and a much better head, a much smarter football player, in my opinion. Yeah, and better taste in sweatpants. Oh, exactly right. And we had Walter Thurman on our on the show in the offseason. And, and just to reiterate, he was great. In our last offseason, you had signed with the Giants, as we said, and you know you made the declaration that you were the best slot corner in the league. And, you know, and now your teammate, you know, Brandon Boykin was kind of chirping you a little bit on Twitter and you fired back a, a little bit as well. Have you guys talked at all yet? Is that a little awkward that you're both teammates now? Um, we actually haven't talked yet. It's going to be interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean there's, no, there's no, bad, no bad blood of mine, you know. Like his, everything, like he's he's got a career after football. For sure, in broadcasting, if he wants it, like he is a, a very sharp guy, very cool, or a lot of stuff, you know, movies, everything else. He just has that type of mind. We and it's been it's been awesome to see the play from the safeties. Who I mean, ladies and gentlemen, Philadelphia has the best safety tandem in the National Football League. I and I can't think of one team that's close to that playing right now through five weeks. Not saying like permanently, but until it's proven wrong. 
uh, it's pretty good setup here in the secondary. So don't even tell me. Don't even start with the – this is where I always come back, and, and I know we've rehashed this a million times, so this is always where I come back to the Boykin thing. These guys are playing out of their mind. Oh, yeah, Take that came up again today, pick. just yeah. randomly. Yeah, again, it always it always comes up. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, people still view that as a mistake. I was like, you can't now. Landon Collins can't view that as a mistake because of what's happening. Look at how good the secondary is playing. You can't really question uh, – no, uh, question all the moves. Question them all you want. But you can't really argue thus far. I know that there is the, – the, look, they're losing. They don't look sharp. Bradford hasn't looked sharp. The offensive line has looked awful. But when you're when you're going through each move, it hasn't crushed them. And it's tried to make an improvement somewhere. And I think they have in a lot of places. And I think they have in, in others. Uh, but to me, this is still – this is still a pretty exciting football team if they can kind of put it to put put it, put it together here, man. I, I don't know. That's why. That's why I. It, and it's not just the Saints win. It's not every. It's not anything else. It's just that they haven't played their best football game yet. They haven't. And I don't think a lot of the people in this division, Washington included, there's not much more you're going to see out of Kirk Cousins and the rest of the offense. Deshaun Jackson, yeah, maybe kind of comes in there. And, oh, yeah, and, he got hurt again today. And is that threat? And that's another yeah, – exactly right. That's another setback for them. Yeah, uh, you know, just think, he and he and LaShawn McCoy, they could be on the sidelines looking surly and making $30 million. <laughs> and instead hey, they're on someone else. <laughs> on, still on the winning teams of, of the – Dallas is now going to Matt Castle. They're going to have Des Bryant come back way too early uh, for, for the type of injury that they have. I just feel like, again, NFC least or not, this team still has the ability to go on a huge run at the second half of the season, but it starts Monday night. I mean, this is this is a very important game. They have to win this one. They can't go an over in the division. It, it's it would be terrible. Then it's then it limits all their chances here, and they would have to completely win out, and a bunch of other things happen. Uh, but again, after the bye week, the schedule isn't that hard. You have Buffalo, you have the Patriots. That's going to be tough. Miami, we all thought it was going to be tough, is no longer tough anymore. So it is, it is, uh, it is going to be a very interesting situation here. And I know we've been talking a lot, so let's go back to the phones real quick. Hey, VGN Radio crew, my favorite bunch of guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure listening to you guys, um, pregame and postgame venting. Uh, so thank you. This is uh, Matt Kronbrex from Lancaster. Uh, I'm calling to kind of bitch about the Chip Kelly back to every single college job rumors that are frustrating me. Every single college job out there, um, some NFL insider talking head comes out and says, like, oh, that leading candidate for this job has got to be Chip Kelly. And I just wonder when is that going to stop? I am so sick of... Everyone, the NFL good old boys just killing Chip Kelly every single week for struggling. I mean, Jason Garrett has gone three straight years of being 8-8 eight and eight in Dallas, and they just laud him with praise when he finally figures out to run the ball. Like, you're a veteran offensive coordinator. You're a veteran coach, and you finally figure out, like, oh, I don't know, maybe we should run the ball. And then, and then you go 12-4, and four, and everyone's like, he's just brilliant. Like, he's just a great game manager, whatever. Like, offensive coordinator, great, what a great football mind. And I'm just so sick of these NFL retreads getting so much love and so much respect. Why are they just destroying him? Can you think why they're making him out to be this villain? Like they want to sit around and point and laugh and say, I told you so to this guy? 
Ah, good friend Matt. Thanks for calling in, buddy. We got double mats. Double mats happening on this episode. But uh, yeah, the other main thing that's just just been rampant. And I, I got to rip the station a little bit too. 97.5, I love you. I really do. And we we always appreciate the opportunity. But three or four days of, of USC talk? Come on. Come on, guys. I mean, this is, it gets to the point where it just becomes absolutely ridiculous. So they are, I, 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 I mean, it's, it's just, I, I don't know why this continues to happen each and every week here, Matt. And, or excuse me, each and every year. Uh, every time that there's a huge USC, Texas, Maryland semi like recruiting in there, like it's just Chip Kelly has got full control. He's got everything he wants. He got to pick his own players. Why on earth would he go back? Why do we keep, why does this constantly keep feeding into everything? Is it, is it just as simple as what Chip Kelly said? It needs to have a couple more wins in Super Bowl champions of, uh, of uh, you know Tom Coughlin esque type of type of thing here, and everybody gave us back. Like, what's the deal? What's going to I don't know. Stop I it? think it's funny this idea that you know he'd rather be doing an easier job because you know he had an easier job, and then he took this job. And you know, I mean, maybe the money was better, but you can't tell me that was the only thing. Like, Oregon's got deep pockets; they could have matched what he got. And so, so it's always fun. like, like I don't know. People don't just quit and go do easier versions of the same job that they, you know, it's just it's a it's a funny thing to me. Like he's not retiring, <laughs> you know, he's not retiring back to college yeah. or is something I, I so he's so not uh, Steve spurring it back to high school. What's or uh, what's the appeal? And I, that's the other thing, too, is that people are like, well, these are good programs, you know, kind of. But, you know, even if you want to talk about that, like, you know, this is not like. He's not like mired in some. I think even even the person who hates the Eagles more than anybody else in the whole world would still put them as a top twenty NFL franchise, right? Like this yep. is not you know they have good attendance, you know they check some very basic boxes. This is fun. This is a very upbeat sort of conversation. But like they they <laughs> check a lot. Like this is what, what I'm getting at. Is this is not the Jaguars. These are not the Rams. These are not just like these teams that sort of sputter around a mediocrity. Or, you know, some expansion team like the Texans or something like that. These are not just, you know, these this is this, this is the this is the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, these are this is a real place to be. So you want to tell me that like Chip is gonna to go to USC. Why? Because boy, he can pick his own players, great. He can do that here. You know, because it's it's, it's easier. So much easier to do it in the NFL than it is college. Yeah. Absolutely it is. What, what is that act- misconception? Yeah, yeah. And like you think Chip wants to go to like some kid's house and talk to his mom? Like, no, fuck that. Like, you think Chip Kelly wants to do that? No, Chip Kelly wants to say, you, you're with me. You know, don't talk to me in the halls. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that I'll take off that bowling shirt. Yeah. I think tie your shoes. Um, But I I think that, uh, I mean, I just think that, that, uh, shave those sideburns. I think that, um, I, I just think that it's it's so it's so bizarre. Like the that college is like some mythical place. Like, look, he's been to college. He lost four games in four years or whatever the hell. Like he is, you know, he has done college well. He knows what that's like. Like, if you think that like the USC job, like Chip has just been biding his time until the USC job comes open. Like, you know, guess what? I think the the USC job's been open four times in four years or yeah, something. Guess what? The USC job sucks. Yeah. By the way. Let me just let me just interrupt here because there's a lot of people that don't understand this. The USC job since Pete Carroll and before and after he was there, it is awful. And it is an awful place to be around there to try and recruit kids, to try and get all those things together. The boosters are horrendous. 
I worked for 710 ESPN. That's all they used to cover was the USC Trojans because the other stations had, you know, whatever, the Kings and the Lakers and everybody else. So they only covered the Trojans. And it is, it, it is, it's because there's no pro football team out there, that's what it feels like. And guess what? You don't pick your own groceries out there. So it's it's miserable. You're listening to everybody else. It is the opposite of what would have happened at Oregon. They wouldn't have given them free reign or anything else. The same thing with that is everybody goes to the Jim Harbaugh qu- quote where he's comparing his experience in San Francisco to what he does now in Michigan. And they're saying like, yeah, I, I, I just prefer it. Because look at the situation that was there. He didn't have control of what players he's picking or anybody else. That's all That's all the all the front office there, and it's terrible, and it's a disaster. There's people retiring. There's people that don't want to be there. Nobody wants to be in San Francisco. I wouldn't want to be in San Francisco. It's two totally different situations. Chip Kelly is shooting the, sh- shooting the breeze here, man. I mean, this is his gig. He's not getting fired next year. He's not getting fired the next year either. He's got two years here, I think, of, of comfortability this year and next year to do whatever the hell he wants to try and win games in the Super Bowl and everything else. It is not easier to go somewhere else right now. He is living the life, man. And if somebody, anybody, and I t- tweeted this out too, would just simply look at some public records, it would take two days to confirm that he's not moving anywhere. He's not leaving. So I'll leave that in the air. Just seriously, do your job as uh, our friend Gus Bradley would say. But uh, with that being said, Mr. Matt Daring, let's get into some NFL picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Well, uh, a pretty decent week all around. I'm still just one game above 500 on all platforms here, but we're going to have some fun. Since there's only two of us, we are uh, we're going to do three games each. I think we're just we're going to basically we're going to pick every NFL game that's on the board here. So, uh, Matt, where are we heading to first, sir? Let's go to sunny, beautiful, star-studded Seattle. Okay. All right. Uh, so the Seattle Seahawks are seven point favorites over the Carolina Panthers. I don't know. Seven points seems high. Seattle doesn't really live. You know, Seattle could have a very convincing four point win. We've seen them do it a lot, but seven points seems like a lot. You know, this is a team that scores, you know, they'll struggle to break 20 points, you know. So you're, you're betting on them holding the Panthers to two touchdowns or less. I don't know. Panthers aren't great, but I just think that, you know, give me give me Carolina to cover because that's, you know, yeah, that's I, that's I, too much. I think I'm with you there, too, uh, just because, you know, the, the Seattle offense just is not the same right now. They're still not getting into rhythm. It started at five and a half and it actually went to minus seven. So I think that's a lot of Seattle money coming in. I, too, uh, am with Carolina. I'm going to roll on over to uh, the, the crap bowl, uh, the fire sale bowl over in Detroit. Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to get off the schneid. Uh, this opened at three and a half. It's still as of now on Thursday night at minus three. I'm going to take Chicago and as the dog here, I'm going to take Chicago and the points plus three. I don't know why on earth you would bet on Detroit at all. The offense is stagnant. The offensive line isn't playing well. Uh, the defense is still good. And granted, it could be, you know, uh, uh, Jay Cutler's finest performance ever of, of throwing three picks. I just had the feeling. Chicago is taking over in Detroit. Matt, where are we heading to next? Let's go to Buffalo. Boy, I gotta. I can sure pick the places, huh? <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's head on out to Buffalo and see what's going on there. They're 
They got that big train whistle apparently that plays. It's awful. Um, they are currently uh, three and a half point underdogs to the Cincinnati Bengals. But give me the Bengals. They should easily outscore the Bills. You know, they seems like Tyrod. He might he might be going. He might not be going. He's been practicing. It sounds like he hurt himself. By the way, too bad we didn't get Tyrod. And instead, we got old Glassney's Bradford over here. Yeah, he's never gonna uh, last the game. Bro. Yeah, he won't last the game. And meanwhile, they're talking about EJ Manuel on up the road. But I digress. Uh, the Bengals are, you know, there's an argument to be made that they're the, well. No, there's not an argument to be made that they're the best team. But they're probably an argument to be made that they're the third best team in the NFL right now behind the um, the Packers and the Patriots. Yep. But, you know, it's only three and a half point favorites over the Bills who have been pretty inconsistent. I mean, unless Andy, unless old Andy Dalton shows up, you know, we have new, thinner, sexier Andy Dalton. He's got a better haircut. Like, I think that, you know, give me give me Cincinnati here. I love what Andy Dalton has been doing, uh, even though I picked him up too late in the fantasy team to make it any difference here. Uh, however, ring the bell as uh, I am smelling trap game here. It's in Buffalo. It's going to be a little funky. Everything that Matt said, I agree with. Just going on gut here. I'm going to say that Buffalo steals this one as we travel on down to our old friend, Mike Kay's uh, favorite uh, new football team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is that yet again another barn burner of a game as Jacksonville and the Houston Texans match up? It is minus one. It's basically a pick 'em, uh, and and guess what, Matt? I'm I'm going to take Houston. I'm going to say that they break through. I got the Houston Texans over the Mike K's favorite Jacksonville Jaguars uh, plus one. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's uh that's sort of the immovable body versus the resistible force. I think <laughs> yeah. as far as that goes, Dallas has the bye, so we can't talk about them. But we'll go visit our our foes in Washington and get this. Jets are it started out at minus five and a half. It is now moved to minus six. Jets versus Washington. Uh man, uh, Jets coming off the bye week. I I really like the Jets play here, especially minus six at home. Um, I don't know. I'm going Jets in this one, Matt. Who you got? Yeah, I got to ring the bell on that. Like I said, the sort of the similar thing to to the Seattle. I I just don't like these big point spreads on uh, on defensive you know defensive teams. Like I I don't know that the Jets the Jets could manage to score six more points. You know, six points at all, let alone six points. You know, it's just offensively, this team is very not that good. So. Yeah, I would think that if Washington, and they probably won't win, but Washington could easily cover a six-point spread. All right, well, we got the betting out of the way, and most importantly now, we go to Philadelphia Monday night against the Giants. What's your prediction on this one, Matt? Uh, give me the birds to roll 35-17. to 35-17, birds. Uh, I think I picked that about half the year, half the weeks last year. <laughs> year. Um, I like everything about the Eagles in this one. I, I really do. I think they match up too well offensively against their secondary. And, you know, as much as somebody, some people are trying to champion Colin Jenkins as being this dominant pass rushing force now uh, because they moved him to the outside because, you know, there's there's a fingerless JPP still waiting to get on the field here. Uh, I, I, I just don't really see how the Giants can pull this one out. I do see, however, the Eagles flubbing this and losing it. And uh, since every time that I have picked them to lose, they've won, I will continue doing so and, and until the, the curse is reversed here. So I'll actually take the Giants. And if you're betting on this, I'll take the Giants and the points because it went from three and a half to minus four in a lot of places. So Giants win this one 
28 to 27 in a heartbreaker uh, as, uh, I don't know, Caleb Sturgis misses one at the end of the game. Sure. And then Chip can blame it and then execution and then the fiery hot uh, dumpster he takes. But Matt, uh, final thoughts as we're heading out here, bud. Boy, there's been a lot of talk about objectivity lately. You know, I, I listened to the um, I listened to the the rights to Ricky Sanchez, and they're and they're always going in on this. It's a great and I podcast, just, by the way. Yeah, and they do a really good job. But it seems like they always sort of dance around this idea that like, in, and Spike loves to sort of make fun of himself because he'd be like, "Look, if it was with the Sixers, I'd say one thing, but since it's not, I'm going to say the other." And I love that, you know. And I think <laughs> that we should we should all do that more because we're here to watch sports so we can feel things. You know, and we don't want to have to feel like we're like some some anthropologist dusting off old tomes and and reading through them and trying to arrive at the heart of what's going on here. Look, it's sports. We are here. We want to love. We want to hate. We want to laugh. We want to cry. We want to spit all over ourselves. We want to get buffalo chicken dip everywhere. Like we just want to make a big mess and be and be have a lot of fun with it. So I just feel like, you know, when we're talking about getting all this, getting all the emotion out of it, it really bums me out, which is why I really love when, when guys like Spike come along and they're like, you know, they're like fun and easy about it. And they, uh, they're able to sort of say like, well, look, if it were the other team, I'd say this, but since it's not, uh, you know, go Eagles. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to go out on. Yeah, no, I love that part about it. That's why I like uh, those. That's why I like, uh, you know, the Liberty Ballers guys and everybody else. And, and it's really true. Like we we try and especially in uh, well, no, it happens everywhere. This the uh, the whole being humble and everything else. I'm gonna talk sh- shit if it's if we're bad and if we're good and it doesn't make the other team not bad either. That's what I'm saying. Like if it if something's bad, you point it out. If something's good, you point it out. That's fun. The bat flips the whole conversations that we're having this past week. Who gives a shit? Somebody can be mad about it. Somebody can be happy about it. That's sports. Like, that's fun to me. That's the whole part of doing this, to have all this objectivity, which is bullshit anyway. Nobody has objectivity in sports. Yeah, like, I'm objectively right about football, you know, and and I'm (laughs) sitting here, and I make grad student money. So, you know, like, I don't think that's true. (laughs) Exactly. There, There is always a subjective viewpoint from whoever's saying anything. Just because they might... If people hide it well, like I think a great a, a job that Tim McManus does is not show that, and and that's fantastic reporting, and that's how reporting should be, and I and I agree to that, and we can always have that debate back and forth, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have biases in there; he just doesn't show them. It's the same thing with um, half most everybody actually that works at ESPN, half the people that you hear on radio that come in as guests, they all have a certain bias towards one thing or another. It's not a different perspective. It's just like, here, I hate this guy and here's why. And remember that every time that you hear people. I like this guy because he says things that I like. That is the basis of every radio interview. You know, there is no really big, unless it's very informational, like, again, I'll bring up the doctors. That's very informational. That's something you can listen to. If it's a guy that's breaking down a certain technique of why something's not working, that's important. That is information. But when somebody is giving their opinion, there's a bias behind it from whatever they see to whatever they feel to everything else. I'll do you one better. There's always a bias because we're not always talking about everything all the time. You know, there's even a, there's even a bias because look, if you choose to talk about one thing, you're choosing not to talk about everything else. Yep. So, you know, there's just, it's impossible to not, not bring that sort of thing to work. And whether it's Homer-ish or not. Yeah. Like everybody's a Homer, everybody's, you know, whatever. But the important thing is you got to remember to have fun, have fun, 
And that's what sports is and goatee. So with that being said, this has been episode number 121 right here on BGN Radio. I am John Barchard. Thanks again to Mr. Matt Daring for hanging out. And of course, all of you for listening, please go review, rate, subscribe on iTunes. Find us at BGN Radio. Uh, and of course, thank you for listening to us right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Put your doodles in the middle. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcast, and we thank you for choosing ours. You've been listening to BGN Radio, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. <laughs>